Um, well, as far as me, I, uh, I kind of got started, uh, with my career jobs and, and kind of like, you know, my chapters before the military, um, I was in GRTC in high school. So like, I kind of knew I wanted to go in the military at the time I wanted to do military police in the army. That's the kind of like the only thing about the military I knew because I was an army yeah. GRTC and we had. Uh, uh, army instructor that was like, oh, you'd be good military police, you sharp, you have nice, you know, you look good in uniform. <laughs> and that's all he's like, he's just <laughs> like, oh, you'd be good military police, you know, go officer, sign papers, drink coffee. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Sounds good. Like, all right. <laughs> um, my hometown is Lorain, Ohio. And it's, it's not what you would normally think of Ohio. It's um, high, um, there's not a lot going on there if you aren't in uh, the steel mill factory um there used to be like back in the day there's like a shipyard so people build ships so there's a lot of actually it's actually crazy it's a ton of races um caucasian is actually the minority there it's like a ton of immigrants there uh hispanic uh, african-american polish Slovakian. like it's it's a crazy it's a melting pot it's like a mini new york yeah. city i feel like yeah um but hmm high percentage of army marine people like go there like air force really you don't you don't assume you're gonna go in air force that's for smart people like you don't do that so i'm like i'm gonna go in the army like everybody else i tried to go in the army at the time in 2000 and this is like 2011 12 um they don't let me in because i have tattoos oh um, yeah go. and i was like well that was fast that was a fast answer you so, rebel <laughs> yeah um high school is pretty much like I felt like just a daycare um nothing going on there of benefit <laughs> to me so I was like well I'm just gonna go home I'm gonna do homeschooling and I started working at Best Buy and I ended up staying at Best Buy for like five years meanwhile mm -hmm. I tried to join the army again I tried to join um the air force three times before I actually finally like joined um I had bad driving records I was like in and out of like every month I had a speeding ticket. I felt like I was paying $600 a month for insurance on my car. Like I was at a recruiter eyes. I was like a lot of work. So, um, I got in a bad motorcycle accident, shattered my collarbone, got a concussion. So I had medical waivers. I had, you know, speeding ticket waivers. I had a missed payment on a credit card. So I had credit waivers. So it was tough for me to join the military. So meanwhile, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to see what this best buy thing takes me um so i ended up being like a manager in best buy um we were i i devote a lot of my who i am to this the journey at best buy because for whatever reason the specific store and district that we were in and the whole company of best buy was number one performing district in the company um the leaders who were there were by far the best leaders that i have ever had the opportunity to like work with and watch mm. like they directly helped me and then i also was able to see how they carry themselves and like where they put their energy and attention um and like it like totally infused the whole like accountability holding people accountable in like a respectable way um gaining people's buy-in to where they want to do good because they care for you they don't want to see you look bad so they're going to do their best for you rather than like compliance like, all I got to do is because it's a rule. 
so like I got to see firsthand these these principles and like how you can be the best and have fun at the same time so like by far the best experience that I've able that I've been like given the opportunity to get and I take a lot of I guess I guess my principles and like morals from that and I've tried to carry it mm -hmm. over to like the military um, obviously it's the easy part is uh, learning and I guess brainstorming and having these conversations like that's the easy part the hard part is applying them um because you <laughs> such is life right yeah yeah so for me I had a prior history with Best Buy kind of did that thing joined the Air Force as ammo that's my career field um did that uh been stationed at Whiteman for a little under four years Missouri um on my dream sheet I had California and Italy if that tells you anything about where I wanted to go. That's so, close, right? No? Yeah, nope. <laughs> um, so basically similar to Ohio. Um, and then had no idea I wanted to do EOD. Like if you would have brought that up, because I actually, one of my hesitations of joining the military was me physically not being able to meet the requirements. I've always been super critical on my physical capabilities. Like that's always been something I struggle with um, mentally. So I'm like, like I can't do EOD and from what I hear it's super hard academically and I'm like barely past high school I'm like <laughs> I was like you know this high school thing might not work maybe I just get my GED and move on with my life you know so yeah not my strong suit um and I ended up joining an aviation club I was pretty involved with um organizations uh body I guess about a year into being in ammo, I got the opportunity to do a base honor guard. It's where I met Sergeant White. Um, and that opened my eyes. I'll probably touch back on that because I think that that allowed me to see things totally different than your average maintainer is able to do. Um, yeah. Especially like kind of with CE, you can kind of relate to that whole man maintainer. Like, like at it, sometimes you kind of yep. get sucked in to it um so i did honor guard for about a year at the at the end of it which is a little longer than most um was in a bunch of organizations on base uh aviation club is how i met the eod flight chief at whiteman and he kind of saw how i carried myself and some of this stuff and eod is always trying to recruit like people <laughs> who they think yeah. would they would trust you know so he's like you should check it out blah blah, blah. and i'm like yeah right dude. i would never do eod <laughs> like no way <laughs> um ended up checking it out and ended up just kind of being like you know what I want to hold myself to a higher standard I want to do something that challenges myself and I want to prove that I can push my body farther than I thought I could and meet the physical part and academic part because I think it'd mean a lot to me um you know like putting stuff in the you know david goggins says you have a cookie jar and you do stuff and you put it in that cookie jar and you can go back to it and say you know look what i've done before i could do this so i was like that'd be a pretty sweet cookie to put my cookie jar if i did the cod thing um so i tried it and i got pretty far and um didn't make it so then i got pc aid technically um stationed yeah. here at at Eglin for my original AFSC for months. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Welcome to Real Talk with Caleb. I did it to you again. We just dropped in in the middle of a conversation. I got Mike Rosa sitting on the other side of the mic from me. We're not able to do it in person. We're quite a few miles apart. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, I had an opportunity to hear him discuss. Actually, now that you told some of your story, bro, um, I remember the Best Buy story. So I was like, as soon as you started saying, I was like, man, I've heard this dude more than what me and you opened up on of oh, yeah? uh, hearing you on a, on a kind of a pre pre show, if you will, with uh, Master and White, Josh White mm -hmm. on Hero uh, Front. So I'm like, man, when you start talking about Best Buy, I was like, I've heard this story before. It's the same dude. <laughs> so man, we're we're really blessed to have you. And you are uh, the reason. I just want to tell the audience real quick. I, I know I mean you chatted just a little briefly on Facebook Messenger. You just uh, you got a mature perspective on life in the Air Force, um, uh, young NCO, um, uh, young in the ranks, if you will. Um, and it's not like you're old, uh, but but young, no, young in the ranks, cool. yeah. um, you know, uh, and having that perspective, man, is invaluable, I think. So I just wanted to bring you on. Uh, thanks for opening up uh, with with kind of who you are and where you come from and what you've been through. Uh, not to, to get in front of hero front, but I know there's a lot more to that, your story. Uh, so if you don't mind, uh, my man, if we could just focus in on just a couple of topics. And and I want to extrapolate some things that I heard um, from you last time. And, and bottom line, just being impressed with, with your perspective on life and Air Force, as stated earlier, you uh, had made a statement that you want to be a good supervisor. Uh, I was yeah. like, my goodness, you know, that that really says a lot about your character, man. And now having described a little bit about Best Buy, maybe it does tie back to that. I don't want to <laughs> tell your story for you. But can you just just tell us where where that comes from or where at least you think it comes from and what's motivating you and driving you to want to be a good supervisor? Because, man, we could we you could sure use a lot more of that in our Air Force in the world, but definitely in our Air Force. So what are your thoughts right. on that, man? Um, so, yeah, trying. I mean, it's a very simple sentenced question, but there's a lot to that, you know, mm -hmm. um, depending on how far you take it. Uh, why do I want to be a good supervisor, though, is because. I've, um, I think through my journey, I don't know, you know, where you started this or what people might already have heard about me. Um, but me going through, I think the EOD pipeline has really um, kind of shun some light on who I am and what really is important. Because um, I think a lot of it was me chasing. And I think this is something that a lot of people can relate to. I think one of the problems of what stops people from realizing that, you know, the most important thing is to just be the best position you are, if that's a supervisor, if that's just a senior airman or just a teammate, um, you know, going through the EOD pipeline is really like exposed who I value because I went in there and if there's anybody that had, that can, I guess, have the credentials to kind of gatekeep or be mm -hmm. like, you know, um, I don't think that, you know, this guy has what it takes or he's just a poser or whatever. Like if anybody could have that attitude and it'd be justified, it's some of those guys. Like they've, they've really earned like their, their stuff. Like I'm talking, one of the instructors was the A1C deployed twice, um, yeah. you know, in the, in the, in the shit of it. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, man, these guys actually like, they get some of my respect just there. Now I'm not one person that just gives you all respect. Like, even if you're a badass and, you're the chief master sergeant of the air force. Like, if you don't respect me as a person, you don't get my respect as a person. That's just kind of like how That's I operate. Fair. And I think it, I think it is fair. Um, so I started with that, but I've saw how they were so open. They were so open to just give and dump their knowledge out to somebody because they wanted to better their career field. They knew that the more they can give to the people around them in return, it should be better for them because everybody has the tools and knowledge to help out. Because they assume they're, they're giving the assumption that everybody has the career fields or the shop's best interest in mind. 
so that was just like a a common mentality that I was like this is this is where it's at like this is what everybody needs and then I'm brainstorming like I'm trying to think like why is it so like why is it so different you know like Mm -hmm. why why is my you know some of my other experiences and maybe some of the maintenance you know career fields so much different than this because they're not too you know like the the mentality is there but um I, I don't know, I guess like when I was in the maintenance, I was also chasing what I thought was what I wanted, you know, like mm. I'm in my head, I'm like, if I can get promoted quicker and maybe get a special duty and like prove that I'm the elite of the elite, then this is, this is what I want. Meanwhile, I have all these opportunities in front of me to like help out the people around me, build relationships with them, um, acknowledge that they exist. Right. Um, help them out and maybe some of the weak areas that they might not know about. And meanwhile, I'm busying in my head what my goals are. So I'm focused on this. All yeah. the opportunities are here. I've learned a lot of that. I've, I've been able to like kind of look back on my experiences and see all the missed opportunities I have. So now that I'm a supervisor, my main goal is to be a good supervisor because I see how impactful it can be to somebody's life. Um, so I'm trying not to make it too long and out of the, you know, go around the point of it. Um, oh, you're, you're, you're fine, man. This is a, just an opportunity for people to, to gain and appreciate your wisdom, right? Uh, because to your point, man, it doesn't matter where you are uh, on this planet, where you come from, um, you know, how old you are, what your rank is, you know, you can be a, a zero stripper, you know, an air, an air baby airman basic up to chief mouse sergeant. We all had, and you hit the nail on the head, man, we all have value. And, and unfortunately, we don't all see it that way. All humans don't operate the same yeah. way. And a lot of times, man, what I have found in my experience is the Air Force is a subset of the society we come from, right? You know, it's yeah, not like it everybody in the military is, uh, you know, some great patriots for sure. But we have our ups and downs and we have our struggles and our challenges that sometimes aren't seen as opportunities, right? They're seen as obstacles. So yeah. uh, you hit the nail on the head. And man, I, I feel the same way about EOD. A lot of CE has the same uh, type of mentality you know, uh, a work hard, play hard, but there's a level of trust that is within the EOD community and it has to be, right? I mean, um, you know, some arguments could be made that they're they're battlefield airmen right. uh, and, the, and the work they do is extremely dangerous um, and they depend on one another. So to your point, I really think, and in my experience, I've never been through the pipeline, of course, but just being in CE squadron, they're part of CE squadrons, right? And just being around uh, that that career field and understanding them a little bit, uh, maybe better than than someone from a, from a distance. Uh, you know, they're, they're pride themselves on becoming the expert within their craft and their skill and taking care of their brother or sister to their left or right. And to your point, not saying this for you necessarily, Rose, but for mm-hmm. a lot of other career fields, it's like, how, how can I achieve the next thing, you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. and EOD doesn't care whether, I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're airmen just like the rest of us. They want to, you know, promotion is good. It brings more money and stuff, right? Yeah. More responsibility, but they pride themselves on being ready more so than a lot of other career fields I've been around. So uh, yeah. when you went through the pipeline and you said that's kind of looking back on that introspection, that's something that is invaluable too, something you you mentioned and alluded to. I'd like to pull the thread on that a little bit about yeah, sometimes when we're down and out, um, it really makes us, it gives us the opportunity to turn the mirror to ourselves or turn it to somebody else and blame them. Uh, so what do you think was the cue or what helped you say, hey, hold up, I'm, I'm not liking the results of what I'm going through right now. Yeah. How, how can I learn from this? Uh, talk us through that, man. When Was that like a light bulb moment? Was that something that gradually happened over time? What kind of played into that? 
Um, so when I was at my first base, I kind of went through and I, and I think this is probably 90, 98% of people. Uh, I went through some mental health struggles, like mm. just kind of like that point in your life where you don't know who to be yet. You know, you haven't been challenged in a way in life that, that shows you and validates like, I like this type of person. Like I want to be this type of person. I didn't really know where I was and I was going through the ringer man with, with what I thought was right and the resistance I was getting and stuff. But that, that gave me, I had my mom to talk to a lot and she helped me a ton. Um, but what I would do is I would self-reflect a lot and I saw how valuable that was and how much it helped me. So I got to a point in the EOD pipeline where, um, for those of you that do know about EOD, maybe even have or like know about it, um, I made it to IED division, which is, um, if you want to put a number on about eight tenths through the pipeline of the school. Uh, I was in the pipeline for about a year and a half with coronavirus, uh, you know, uh, out of training sessions and stuff. So I made it pretty far. And then around there, I got, I got COVID. Um, and that hit me personally really hard, a lot harder than most people get um, affected by it. I was I lost like 12 pounds and I was mm. um, probably on my couch in bed for about eight days with chills and fever. It was it was really unfortunate. I was in the bomb suit part of the IEDs. Um, so like my body took a big toll. And in my head, I'm thinking the whole the whole way at that point of, of school, um, it's such a beast of a of a machine of yeah. a school like you i'm talking like you have hard driving marine sergeants with you like they're yeah. sharp and one day they don't show up at 100 percent, they fail a test they're gone and you're like uh there's no way that i'm like way better <laughs> than this guy so that you understand that it's not given that you're going to be there it's yeah. not given that you made it this far and it's not given you're going to stay there so everybody understands that they could you know not make it at any point because i'm you talk it you know, once a week you have a make or break test every mm. for like, you know, six, seven months. So I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, I want EOD, right? That's what I want. That's what I think I want at least. And if I make EOD, what then, you know, like, is it all going to come together and I'm going to have this sense of just like, you know, completion. And then I'm going to unlock into my final form of an NCO and be like all knowing power. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still the same person with the same values, the same morals and the same insights. If I make it, that's just as a different career that I'm in now with different obligations. Um, so I started kind of hinting at the, you know, this might like, I might not gain anything from this other than the experiences that I've already gotten and, mm. you know, X, Y, and Z. But um, I kind of, I kind of realized that the real like gem of it all and like what I can really take from it is something that I can learn and put my efforts towards to where I apply it where I'm at, no matter where that is. So if I can apply it now and help everybody kind of around me and like, that's something way more valuable than chasing the position of EOD, you yeah. know, um, obviously I would love to be EOD. I tried to, so that tells you that. Um, but I feel like if I kind of put my focus towards something else, I could try and make it more valuable no matter where I'm at. Um, and that's kind of like when I realized, I came to that realization of, of that is, you know, be cautious of 
you know, kind of how I and Sergeant White were talking about putting all of your eggs in one basket too, because yeah. if I don't make it, does that mean now I just give up, <laughs> you know, with all yeah. my progression and, and just completely relapse and just lose all motivation to be a good contributor of society in general you know do i just freaking stay in my bedroom all day or or what so yeah yeah that was kind of like that point when i got dropped from training you know so for the audience that doesn't know um the bomb suit uh rose is talking about that is uh you've probably seen a movie or you can go youtube it uh that thing is not fun to be in uh well i mean if everything's working it's still not fun to be in but then if little (laughs) fans and things like that aren't working it even makes it worse and i'm sure everybody can at least associate or, you know, uh, has been sick before with a cold. Maybe some of you have had COVID and affected it the way Rosa was and then trying to wear that around. That is something else for sure. And it's a mental toughness not on top of the physical toughness that's required for EOD. Um, again, just great insight. I, I wish we could bottle what you have, man, and, and give it out at ALSs, right, for our <laughs> airmen that are going to be new supervisors. Yeah. Um, because it is, you can't make up for the experiences. I tell airmen when I do uh, briefings and, and story time with Chief Vaden at, uh, at ALS, I, I love ALS. Um, it's so, I learned a lot. I changed a lot in ALS. It opened my eyes to an Air Force that I didn't know existed. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, for our civilian audience, that's where it's a preparatory a school, if you will, uh, where we, we take uh, our newly minted NCOs that don't have it on yet uh, and, and try to give them the introductory level of, of how to lead as an NCO, lead other people. Right. Uh, but yeah, so man, I wish we could uh, bottle that up. You know, this you can't make up. You can where I was going with that is you can study all day long, right? You can be really smart in the books, um, but applying it. You opened it up earlier with man, it's it's so good to have all this knowledge, but applying it's a whole other beast altogether. Uh, when, especially when you have emotions and people's lives at stake and people's ambitions and their goals. What do you um, you know, one of the main things I brought you on here uh, to talk about is because you know on some of my podcasts, man, I've had you know everybody from the chief master of the air force uh to officers all kind of stuff you know and i've had a few airmen uh on the podcast at, at the tactical level you know of senior airman a1c is talking about uh human connection and not being able to connect with supervisors and something you i heard you say and i was like man i need to get a, a you know a junior nco mid-level nco on to, to chat as well because right. i'm a chief master sergeant it's been a while since i've been in the trenches man and i'm not naive and i don't i don't placate people I'm a realist, right? I know it's been a while since I've been in the trenches, um, you know, you know, grinding it out, doing all the work, right? Um, getting your knuckles dirty. Um, so I'd like to ask you about, is it, uh, you know, because I heard you say it before about sometimes the masses, if you will, right? The, the airman and this not great agnostic, but the airman tier says, hey, leadership is a problem. We talk about morale. We talk about connecting. So I've, the audience has a great understanding of where you are, what you've been through. You know, the, your resilience, that word's a word that gets overused, but you do definitely have some resilience, man. Thanks. And you bring something at the NCO core that not everyone has. So I'd like your perspective on what is going on in the junior enlisted ranks. I'm not implying, I don't mean to imply that's good or bad. What's mm-hmm. going on? Uh, and then is it leaders? If, if there is a problem, is it leader and leadership? When we talk about morale, we talk about taking care of each other. We talk about connecting all those things. Talk to us about your thoughts on that, about what's really going on in the junior enlisted ranks. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I gave it a little bit of thought um, because I was, uh, when I got back uh, to the ammo, uh, ammo unit here, you know, I started uh, kind of like what you've seen. So you've, you've gotten to see some of that like firsthand CE camaraderie. 
those teams that, you know, have such a great, you know, mentality. Obviously, people are people. Everybody has their flaws. Yeah. There's flaws in every unit. No unit's perfect. Um, but you you do notice, the, like, the contrast, like, night and day difference sometimes between, you know, more of a – and, and kind of, like, where I – where I came to a conclusion of why it's so drastic um, because I've been uh, super involved with like brainstorming, like in, in, in groups to try and combat, you know, mental health, suicide. Uh, Whiteman was really bad with suicide. I was an honor guard for a year and had to do way too many active duty, you know, funerals. Um, and it's just like, what happens? You know what I mean? Like I joined and I'm thinking like, man, this is going to be hardcore and, uh, you know, you're going to have to stand at attention whenever you address an NCO and then you get to tech school and you're like, what the is this, you know, <laughs> holy crap. Um, so, but at the end of the day, what's going on? Um, I think a lot of people don't have to challenge themselves. Um, it's one of those things where I think the whole rise to like people will rise to the expectation type stuff. Mm. Um, I think that comes into play big time with, with the jobs. I think it's within us. I don't know like the right word, but um, it's just something about uh, human nature, like with people, like if you don't have to sacrifice a lot to get somewhere, you don't respect it as much. You just mm. kind of don't inherently, you know, like if you've had to not sacrifice anything to not fail, to not go through really hard ships to get somewhere, there's a certain level of respect you don't give to that. Yeah. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that's just the nature of some of the jobs and careers in, in the military is you just show up, you don't do anything bad. Um, you give 70 to 60% and you, you kind of operate at that level of satisfaction and you don't gain a sense of respect. You don't grow as a person and expose some of your flaws and your team's flaws with that so like the environment is already at a disadvantage for growth i think um just by the nature of it mm. and it only gets changed if one people realize this which i'm an nco now i kind of just woke up one day and i was like oh i'm that guy but i said <laughs> it was my responsibility yeah you know to deal with now and i was like wow that means you're the they now yeah i'm the they now and I was thinking back when I was an airman, like, wow, I really thought they had all the answers. And now I'm like, I don't know shit. So that kind of, that was an also another insight of like, man, I was a little um, silly thinking, you know, about an airman. But uh, so I think that's already where some of the, you know, the bad stuff starts is people mm. don't have to, maybe they don't respect at a certain level what they do and the job they do or the mission they they do because it's hard you know to to really look into the mission it's probably a lot easier um, for positions at your level to see the broader picture and what actually happens um because one of the things i did as well is i went to an uh, afa conference in uh, yep. dc and i was able to like sit down this is when chief bass wasn't chief master of the air force she was just second air force command chief uh, i sat in like a little um I guess like a meeting they had or whatever they, they had mm -hmm. there and heard her talk and heard some other chief master talk. And they were, I could tell they genuinely wanted feedback from the airmen 
they were like craving feedback, like raw, honest feedback, because they want to know what's happening. They want to know how they can help. And I was like, I had, I would have never thought just in a shop at Ammo at Whiteman that there's leaders out here that genuinely actually care and want to know what they can do to do better. Because you go to a conference or you go to a commander's call and they say, okay, I'm going to open it up to you guys. You know, like nothing is going to be said. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and I just thought that's just how it is. And that's how it always is. Um, but like people actually want to know. And I never knew that as an airman. Like I was never exposed to that. Um, so I think that's also a downfall is, is I really don't believe they understand how important their feedback can be. Now, the other, you know, where, where that all kind of blends in is it's, it's also how important the feedback is valued from the, the supervisors, either other senior airmen in the shop about that. Because when somebody shows a little initiative or um, they show a little initiative, to maybe change something or put some light on some inefficiencies or things that are flawed, it's kind of like putting your hand out. And if it gets smacked, you obviously won't want to do that again. Yeah. And I think that that might happen maybe a little too much or they even like I saw a video. It was like a meme video of a dog and um, he had a toy and the guy put the toy in the dog's mouth and he bit it. And then he put it in a fake dog's mouth and smacked yeah. the fake you know dog and then went to put it in his mouth. And he was like, I'm not biting that thing. Like, I saw what happened here. Yeah. It's not playing the same idea. Game. You don't have to do it to one person. It just has to be one person in the shop that gets that gets disrespected or not valued. And that sends a message to everybody else that look like I'm going to do my best and do my work, but I'm not going to go outside of my comfort zone and I'm not going to be vulnerable and risk, you know, putting myself out there and my, you know, morals and stuff out there. Cause it's not going to get taken serious. Um, I've unfortunately seen that side of things way too much, especially yeah. with senior airmen. Um, and that's what I try. That's what I try to, to tell them. He's like, when I do their, that's another thing, actually doing ACAs and doing feedback to people is pretty important because yeah, that's, that's an awesome way to, to kind of kickstart everything. Um, so that's, that's some of the, that's some of the bad, but the good, I mean, you, I definitely have seen some of it in the worst, what would you say? I don't want to call it leadership because it's not leadership. It's just people. Some of the maybe, NCOs might have not, not might not have been the best, um, but that really brings together the lower like enlisted. Like they come together and they really understand that like what might not be made up here, they have to make up. Like we have to look mm -hmm. out for our crew chiefs. You know, we have to look out for even some of the NCOs. You know, we have to look out for each other and really come together and like be efficient at this or like hey, this, this is a silly way to do it. Like, why wouldn't we just stop here and do this process or like print this out so it's easier? So like things are happening and like things are, are getting done, but it's with them, you know? It's kind of yeah. like all like in. They're not kind of like putting it out for the world to know. It's kind of just being done. Um, yeah. So like there's good and bad. Um, it just comes down to what's important to that person or those people or that unit you know, what they're actually trying to do. So what do you, um, you hit on some great points there. Uh, so yes, those types of things do happen at AFA, but they also happen in units. Some units uh, do really well at feedback. Uh, some of the 
shops within certain units uh, do even better. And we'll go back to EOD. Right. Some of those communities are really well at after action report, right? And so yeah. you do an op, you do a mission and, and they're used to, uh, you grow up in, a, in an environment where feedback maybe is raw uh, and sometimes emotions do flare and sometimes people's feelings do get hurt. But when you grow up in a community that does after action report, you get a little more accustomed to hearing uh, that maybe you need you do need to take a shower after PT, right? And that, that's not going to crush you and end your world. Yeah. Uh, and some communities just don't do that very well. Um, so, but when you talk about feedback, and you're right, when you uh, if you're a command team out there listening to this right now, and you ask for, you should still ask if anybody has anything to to add at the end of the commander's call. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, <laughs> yeah. but if you're really if you're sitting there thinking that somebody's going to say a whole lot, and or you take silence as everything is good, boy, I tell you, you're really far off in the mark on that one, but. No, you're right. Not many people can do that, but there are unique ways to try to get feedback. What would your advice be to NCOs out there that are like you that want to make a difference? How do you respond? You gave the analogy of of the dog, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> so what would be your advice of how to do it right? What what would that look like? Um, so it starts with, I'm a big person on, kind of like when you said a realist, hmm. um, acknowledging the elephants in the room. You know, when people show up for a 12 hour shift that they didn't want to do on the weekend and you show up and you act like everything's amazing and you're going to have the best attitude, people are already disassociating you with reality. Like <laughs> in your head, you're doing the best thing because you're trying to make a positive vibe, but you have to understand that people aren't stupid, even airmen, like not, not that you think they're stupid, but yeah. They, they know a lot more. They are in touch with a lot more than you might realize. So when certain things happen within your unit or your shop, they already kind of know what's going on. Sometimes they might not know why it's being done. I've seen that a lot. They know, they know why they don't like it. They know that it's not beneficial to them personally. They know a lot of these things. What they're missing is why it's being done. Sometimes they don't even know who actually wanted it to be done. And they put the blame on other people and it's like it's totally not even their their thing um, but as far as feedback goes acknowledging like i always start off with the obvious if there is the obvious you know um like like i know that you know giving feedback is kind of sometimes weird or new for people but like i genuinely am curious about this this and this you know like like i genuinely or maybe even just start because i've seen when people get warmed up based off just a couple sentences like how you know, third party like FBI and stuff use tactics of just asking easy questions, getting somebody talking, getting like the social muscle going, then it's it's so much easier for the other stuff to just kind of fall out of what people have. Um, but it just depends the environment, you know, at a commander's call, that's always a tough one, public settings. So I found out that that's an actual real, you know, social disease people have is public speaking. They do not like to do it at all. Um, yeah. But like even one-on-one, -on -one, you just have to find the, the person. You know, I have a smaller work center right now. So I have maybe three or four people on my shift. And I'd say that I kind of, like if I actually wanted to, to talk to them, I know some people don't mind publicly talking because they kind of like other people to hear them. Some people are terrified and they're more of a solo, like one-on-one -on -one type of person. Like on the way after our shift, you know what I mean? Just bring something up. Um, yeah. And sometimes I think having a goal in mind of your feedback is what is what might hurt you is like you go into the conversation with the goal of extracting answers. 
it doesn't always work that fast. <laughs> like sometimes it might take you three days to get something out of somebody. You have to be okay with that. Like if you go in with the genuine purpose of getting that person comfortable, because I think your goal should be to get them once comfortable with giving you feedback. And if they're not, is it your fault or is it the way you approached it? Or, you know what I mean? Like, I think once you start at that approach, the other stuff kind of just comes. If you just go in and attack of like, I want this feedback right now, you might miss some of the things that, that they're telling you with their body language or like, I don't know, maybe even just verbally saying, I don't want to talk about this right now or something like that. Um, so realizing, realizing maybe your, your goal, maybe refocusing your goals and like your, your energy somewhere more broad and just kind of like build rapport, get them comfortable, maybe find out the best, best way to get this feedback. Like, how are they, how is it going to be the easiest for them to give me what I want? Cause it's kind of helping both, both people out there. Um, and then I was going to say one other thing, but I kind of forgot. So but, uh, when, you're, when you're thinking of it, um, yeah. something uh, I, I would like all anybody, no matter what level you're at, uh, if you're supervising or if you're entrusted, I, I tell our young supervisors, all of us that have an opportunity to lead, we're entrusted uh, to do the very best that we can uh, to prepare America's sons and daughters for combat if need be, uh, and or just to take care of them and inspire them, right? Like my son, I'm entrusting somebody to take care of him. Now I know his supervisor's name, so I'm not going to blast him here on public, but uh, his supervisor is a great supervisor. My son gives me feedback on it. So if he's listening to this right now, you're doing a good job there, NCO. Um, But you know, he he keeps him up to date. Like they're talking about BTZ stuff right now. Uh, And that's not why I say he's a good supervisor because he's he's looking out for him in that regard, but just taking care of me, ask him, Hey, what motivates you? What inspires you? What's it like with your dad being a chief? You know, like, what does that feel like? Um, so and they've made a really good connection. They're not too far off in age, but they've made a good connection. And that's where I was going with it is, is our intent as people that we've been entrusted to lead and inspire and motivate should be to help them. So to your point, Rosa, if you're coming at it with uh, give me the feedback right now to get me that answer to get so-and-so off my back, that's not, that's, you're not, you're yeah. not looking at, I'm not looking after you, am I? So I'm looking after myself. So when we put ourselves in that vulnerable position and say, hey, I'm here to help another human, it looks a little different, sounds a lot different, right? So what what part do you think trust plays in uh, with it between an NCO and we'll use NCO and airman. I know some senior airmen do rate on other airmen, but from a super, let's just say that supervisor or raider to, to a radee, how much do, does trust play into that? And if so, how much does trust between the, in that relationship? What, what's that look like? Um, I'd say trust probably holds the biggest bearing on how much of what they tell you is actually true and genuine um because you can kind of sense that they like maybe the situation you brought up is they just kind of need an answer to give to somebody so they're just going to give you whatever they think will shut you up you know what i mean yeah um when you trust somebody i feel like you kind of trust so one you trust that they will one kind of care about what you're saying like care in a way that like okay like you say something it doesn't make complete sense i'm gonna maybe ask a little bit more about it you know Mm -hmm. not just take you give me one sentence that one sentence okay that's what it is you know like have like a mini conversation about it um but trust i mean in general is i mean obviously that's the number one you know thing in in als we hit on that a lot and i always remember they had a ted talk about trust and just like how that plays into pretty much almost every human interaction um 
it's tough though to build trust i'd say um, just because like even the little things man you know that that'll hurt it um, and that's yeah. something you have to work at um, and i think that's a big thing that i'm way more trustworthy on somebody who comes out with their flaws you know who starts yeah. off with their sometimes already known flaws like there's obviously work centers know about each other to a degree mm-hmm. you know they know certain things about you you know what I mean? Like if you suffer from not showing to work on, on time a lot or like leaving your cat car, like little things that show yeah. that you might not, you might not be as responsible as you come off. Like don't act like you're the most responsible person. Like <laughs> cut, like start off like, look, I know like I, I don't do this. I don't do this. But like, what do you guys think about, you know, this, like, that's what I meant about acknowledging the known. Like there's things yeah. that are known about individuals, about work centers. And if you ignore those, it's hard to trust somebody that you don't mm. think is aware of, of everything. You have to be aware of your flaws. Uh, I think somebody who's aware of their flaws, um, even if you haven't been, and this is the thing, like I, I always, I don't know if you've probably thought about this or this is a common thing thought about, about having somebody on your team who's failed. Like I would much rather mm. people on my team who like have gone through great trials of like trying their hardest at something and coming short. Like that tells you a lot about yourself, but at the end of the day, people aren't going to be in positions that do that. Like people can go through life, go in the military, go through their first shop, their second shop, be six years, seven years in, and have never challenged themselves to a level of failure. And that's not their fault. Like you can't assume that that's their fault. If somebody yeah. isn't as challenged and has, as try hard as yourself, but you can hopefully, if, if not, have somebody that who has suffered and failed and like find like all these trials at least they acknowledge and are aware of their own flaws you know that's something you can apply to other people and i think we maybe inherently do that and that's something that we determine how much trust you know somebody's able to have is you know does this dude even acknowledge his own flaws you know yeah especially especially to your point when it's like uh you don't say this but it sounds like it to everybody. You come in, I'm like, hey, I'm perfect. Listen to me, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, so we all see where, you know, your poo stinks just like everybody else's does and just acknowledge it goes a long way. So being vulnerable is what I hear you saying, being authentic and vulnerable. Yep. People struggle with that until you've had, to your point, man, uh, what I have learned, doesn't mean it's true in every case, right? But what I've learned in my experience is you can tell when somebody's failed. Like, and you said that earlier, I'm, like, I'm the number one failure on the team. Whatever team I get put on, I have failed the most. You almost somebody to kick the door and get shot first? I'm your man. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I've tried this before. I know what it feels like. I'm good with exactly. it. Um, so, but you're, you're right. When people have failed, when they've tried really hard, you go back, let's go back to the first part of this conversation where you said people that maybe haven't been challenged to the brink yet, they don't feel challenged on the day-to-day and not challenged to the brink. Something I prided myself in, I'll toot my own little horn here a little bit. Uh, anybody that would be listening to this, that it was in the shop in, in 2010 to 14 at Kadena Air Base. That was the last time I was in the trenches really with people. Kadena, yep. Yeah, Kadena, man, I love that place. Had some great airmen come through there, man. It was an awesome time. Uh, I felt like I was deployed for four years straight. When I deployed during that cycle, I felt like I got a break. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I made my goal was training. Because sometimes you're right, man. Our normal day-to-day mission won't challenge us enough, not to our capacity. So what I really want to impress on NCOs, and I'd like your thought on this too, if you want to expound on it, is finding ways within our confines of what we're given how to challenge our people. Right. Of like, I would set them up on backhoes as an example to dig side cuts and stuff where it's almost impossible to do that. You're going to fail at something. You're going to hit the pipe. 
you're going to about turn the back over or whatever, right? But I wanted them to know that equipment. I just used my career field, but I wanted them to know the equipment. I know yours is a little bit different. We don't want to go out there and play around with munitions too much, right? But yeah. you can create training environments, I think, in almost any career field uh, where we can push our people to the brink. And and in maybe some cases, I don't want people to mishear this, but thoughts on setting them up for a training failure. Like um, you might have seen that in EOD where it's impossible to solve this task and just let somebody work through it and figure, you know, figure out like, hey, that's what failure feels like, right? Because yeah. you might run across somebody like a Mike Rosa that just can't fail. And we have to set oh, him into yeah. a situation where he's going to fail, right? Yeah, right? But what are your thoughts on, uh, as a supervisor, what would be your advice? First off, and it's okay uh, to disagree with me, bro. Okay. Uh, do you I agree with I it? Do. <laughs> yeah. do you agree with it? And then if you do, uh, how, what would be your advice to supervisors on how to do that to challenge their people? About challenging, yeah, yeah. Um, that's tough. I mean, so it is, it's, it's hard. It's hard in the sense that NCOs that are put to this, some some have like designated training monitors or like, you know, you're the training NCOIC event. And you probably have all told to do that. You probably have your own challenges in your life that you're struggling with, your own grievances, your own, you know, things you don't agree with within the unit. You got a bad mark on your EPR. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you name it. You have your struggles. So it's hard to go above and beyond to do that. Um, but understanding the importance of, of hopefully you share the same, you know, opinion that, you know, challenging your work center, challenging your airmen will like really help not only like the work center, but themselves, yourself, you know what I mean? Because hopefully at this point you start getting some of that feeling good when your airmen feel good, you know, yeah. like hopefully that's, that's kicked in because that's, that's going to be a, a huge part. Um, but I mean, it's really just kind of, I don't know how technical, you know, you want to get with it, but as far as like MUNS goes, um, we definitely did a whole lot of training um, at my first base. Mm. Um, it was like, basically, if you aren't, if you're not doing anything right now, like if there's no active jobs that you want to do, cause it was the bomber base, it was the B2 and yeah. they don't do a whole lot of live, you know, missions, you yeah. know, hopefully they don't, that we know about um so there's a lot of training so it's the whole mentality of like we're not really doing anything because you know you're fresh out of tech school you're like oh i'm gonna put warheads on foreheads whatever (laughs) so the best that we could do is just go out and build 250 bombs for a training you know what i mean that we can use so i guess the way to apply it in almost in anything is is kind of like acumen is something that I was able to kind of understand and learn at Best Buy is like one, you have to step back kind of and just see the opportunities that are like poking out in your work center. Like there's going to be things if it's maybe recent QA fails or maybe common problems popping up with like, oh, we have a really hard time with people putting tools back or stenciling mm-hmm. them correctly or showing to work on time. Like find the, the problem or the, the gap and then the acumen part of it is like, what can we do training or behaviors can we put in place to try and put focus on this? You know, so one accurately, because if you just do a random training that is meaningless, you can do it, but it, maybe the efforts are, are better towards something that's going to actually help your specific work center. Yeah. Um, so being able to find that and then maybe a physical aspect. I know that some of the like in my work center, the physical aspect isn't the best. 
So you don't want to like set your team up for failure right off the bat. Like you've yeah. probably been in units where their physical, uh, where they at are at physically is way higher than maybe some other units. So it doesn't always have to be physical failure. It could just be mental failure, like problems yeah. that, that are really like complex. Um, sometimes they can, you can put it on them, like have, give them a task to do within a week, you know, and like give me updates, you know, on Wednesday. You know, I want to see where you guys are and like who you've designated to kind of like take over this. Or I think sometimes maybe uh, some of the NCOs, like with this whole like opportunity of training, kind of see a problem, just kind of solve it themselves. Mm. And then kind of just uh, brief everybody of what they did rather than maybe seeing a a very easy problem and then giving that as a task to get completed. Uh, Because those little, those little like, completions like really help sometimes airmen or that you even like yeah. would trust them with some of these things and Absolutely. maybe that leads into a training you know so it's really hard to just go in it like cold and just start a training you know yeah. uh, operation you know maybe you stumble across it by just getting the like good habits and behaviors of like always being open like when it tells me it's a good opportunity i'm going to be ready and we're going to do it um uh, yeah, it's kind of so it's like building a confidence, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying is, you know, you give them giving your teammates uh, something to, to work on and to solve. Uh, and no, it's, it's amazing. man. so a lot of times what I what I've seen is we empower people. Right. But yeah. really, that's not empowerment is throwing people to the wolves or into the fire, not, you know, and just yeah. like, oh, good luck with that. Uh, we don't teach or coach appropriately. And then, like you say, give a, you know, so it's a reward in a way, right? Like, hey, this is they're going. This individual going to be able to solve this problem, solve it, and get a good solution set, uh, and be able to boost that confidence. Because guess what? When the bullets start flying, uh, I need people to my left and right that know exactly how to do what they're supposed to do, be able to, to dynamically solve problems, uh, and we'll keep moving forward to draw a fire, right? And and I spent a lot of time in Afghanistan. So a lot of the stuff that comes out is more combat oriented, right. uh, but in in real in in normal everyday life, it's the same way. We need airmen to our right and our left that feel empowered or motivated and inspired to, to create new things. I, Mike, I need you to go and create new things that my brain just doesn't have the capacity to do, right? I'm, I'm reaching the end of my service life, my shelf life, right? I'm about to <laughs> tap out here in a little while. Um, but but you and, and then the airman that you're leading and inspiring, right? So I just really appreciate you entertaining the request, man. I, I really do. Uh, hopefully you didn't feel obligated between me and Josh to be like, well, I guess I got to. Oh, um, but I just know that... Um, people listening are going to be uh, blessed and inspired by what you shared. Is there anything that we, we didn't, I got one last question to ask you. It's a kind of a two-parter, okay. but anything left on this particular topic we've been discussing that we did not cover that you wanted to share? Um, not necessarily other, other than um, I, I really like, you know, if there's, if there's somebody out there airman or, or any level, it doesn't really matter. Just, just know that like the the critic doesn't count like the critic of what you're doing is not the important person you know like i think um some people hold too much value to certain people's opinions um Mm. and you know if you if you're if you're trying to do something and it's not working or you're not getting results or you're getting negative feedback like at least you're trying you know um i i personally will never hold you know, anybody accountable to something, they try and fail. Like if, if they do that, I don't think any less of you at all. 
Um, and if somebody does, then they're, they either have a poor evaluation system or they're self-reflecting, you know what I mean? Like they have something they need to work on, but, um, you know, if you're out there, give, keep giving it your all, man. And or girl, I call girls man too. So I call them bros. So it, it doesn't have anything to do with sex. Um, but if you're trying something, you know, maybe reevaluate what you're trying, take the results. Cause like sometimes if one of the things that I learned that I would like people to know is, is obviously trying comes with a lot of feedback. When you try things, you get public feedback. So be open to the feedback, not being good. Understand that you still are badass for trying, even, even if it's not a popular opinion, but don't be completely, um, don't wash away the opinions, you know, because sometimes if, if there's nine people telling you something, it might be true. It might be a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. So be open to it. Uh, understand that like you're badass for trying and don't let people get to you. Um, but also always keep in mind that they might be giving you some feedback you can take from and maybe readjust what you're doing a little bit. Um, but you're hopefully you, right, man. You, you keep it going. That's spoken from uh, somebody that's been there and done that, right? So <laughs> not, not everybody's able to do that. So thanks for sharing your wisdom, man. Um, you know, like I love the way you said it's, a, you know, the critic doesn't count necessarily, right? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's the old uh, person in the arena kind of conversation. If I'm down there spitting out blood at the same time you are, and I'm like, hey, man, you need to pick your game up so we stay alive, then that's different than somebody sitting in the stand saying, hey, you should pick your game up. You're not going <laughs> to live. You know, that, no, shut up. You're not down here with us, right? Yeah. So that's why, again, I'm in an arena, but I'm in a different arena than you are. So that's why I think it's vitally important to have someone that's, that's in the dirt right now. Uh, sorry, that's dirt boy talk. But in, in the mix yeah. of things right now that's, that's with the airmen, with the team that's leading, guiding, mentoring, and inspiring uh, versus somebody that, that sits in an office somewhere, right? And I'm not knocking anybody that sits in an office, but as a, as a as a chief, right? I know it's it's different than when it was when I was was in the mix of it. So right. uh, I like to give uh, the guests a last word, man. And I'm gonna spring a question on you, yep. uh, but I know you're well versed and you're ready to answer this. Well, uh, so after you get through answering it, all I'll do is I'll just sign off and and we'll be done. But uh, what is your purpose? Uh, what do you think your purpose in life is, and what do you hope your legacy will be? Mm. Oh yeah, just a little question right there. Yeah, just a little one, brother. <laughs> Purpose. <laughs> um, I want to uh, hopefully be somebody who adds value into other people's life. I want to. I want somebody. I want people to remember me, in the sense that they have a desire, like they wish they could still work with me. They wish they could still be around me. Um, you know, I think everybody in here wants to be wanted and, you know, missed and, and stuff. Um, but I want to try and, 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 you know, really every person I get around, make sure one, they be, they realize their worth if they didn't before, uh, that they're just as important as me or the next person. Um, so always kind of make that a thing. And then hopefully people remember me because it was easy to be around me and they enjoyed the time with me. Thanks again, man, for being on the show. Uh, y'all know the deal. Until we talk again, y'all keep it real. We out.